Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. that are celebrating today. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for being with us. We love you all. And it's such a privilege to be here today to share God's word with you. I certainly don't take the opportunity for granted, although sometimes I feel like the guys over here give me the hardest message to preach on Mother's Day because, you know, it's kind of confining. But anyway, so obviously I'll be preaching mostly to moms and parents today, but just stick with me, especially those of you who one day will probably have kiddos. Or those of you grandparents who are an extension of your ch- of your grown children um, that are nurturing their own. So join with me in prayer and we'll get started. Father God, we worship you today. We thank you that you are a father who chooses to lavish his love upon us. And today we receive your love. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. We thank you for the inheritance that we have in Christ. We thank you that eternity awaits us, God, and while we live this life, we live it in hope and expectancy for the good future that you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this month, we are in a series entitled Exiles, studying out of the book of 1 Peter. So my text today is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, there's a lot of truth that Peter, you know, presents to us and declares to us in this passage of Scripture. And I love the fact that Peter here applies this truth so well to our practical experience. He does a great job at presenting to us this dichotomy that we as believers live with, the fact that we live on the earth, but we dwell on eternity. We live on the earth, but we dwell on eternity. That is the limbo that we kind of live in, the fact that we are to be living and experiencing all of the good and even the bad that life offers us here on the earth while dwelling on the expectancy and the hope that we have laid up for us in eternity. 
And obviously, I'm sure that like me, these last two months have felt like just a crazy time, almost like living in a movie is what I've told my kids. I'm like, I feel like, is this like really real? Am I going to wake up from a dream here anytime soon? But obviously, we're not waking up, so I guess it's real. But anyway, I don't think any of us would have ever said that we would think of a time where we would be living under a pandemic condition, right? But if you ever open up a history book, you would see that this kind of experience is not anything new. People throughout history have lived weird experiences like this, unexpected seasons. That's what this life is full of, right? And sometimes we tend to have this sense of, you know, something like this could never happen to me, but that's just not the truth. And so like you, I have had to deal with the sense of worry and fretfulness and even insecurity. For me, I think more than anything, it's that sense of insecurity of like, what's going to happen next, right? And in those times, I've really had to focus and literally just kind of sit and say, okay, I'm going to put my mind on this today. I'm going to focus my heart and focus my mind on the fact that though I live on this earth, I dwell on eternity, I have a living hope. This earth is not my home. Everything that we are experiencing, it's all temporary. It's all going to fade away. It's not going to last forever. I live in the kingdom of God. I have a king whose kingdom is unshakable, whose kingdom isn't subject to sickness and disease, whose kingdom is not subject to economic uncertainty, whose kingdom is not subject to the futile thinking and ways and wisdom of man. He is king of my life. And that means I have hope for today, even in the midst of chaos. And so today I want to encourage us that no doubt in this season, God wants to, especially for those of us that are parents, he wants to use this experience to affect the way that we think and view parenting and the way that we order our homes and what we're doing in our homes. He wants to set in our hearts a clarity about the mission that he has given us within our role of parents and the purpose that we are partnering with him to fulfill. The kingdom of God, I want to give you a definition today because we'll be talking a lot about the kingdom of God. And so if you were to write out a definition today, the kingdom of God is any place where the will and the reign of God is enforced, okay? Today, my message is establishing God's kingdom, his will and his reign, in our homes. I believe that for a long time, we have been establishing our own man-made kingdoms in our home. And those kingdoms are now crumbling before us. And we've been missing out on the power, the protection, the strength that is found in the kingdom of God that he desires to provide for us in our homes when we choose to allow his reign to take control of our homes. Now, for those of you that are parents, you can certainly testify that children, they change everything. Chad and I waited seven years to have our firstborn Caleb, because we got married like super young. 
But anyway, so we waited a while to have kiddos. And sometimes we think back on those times, and honestly, I do not remember what in the world life was like before kids. I do remember it was a little bit less hectic, right? A little bit more carefree. It was kind of like, hey, you know what? It's 1 o'clock in the morning, but I got the munchies. Let's go get a slushie at Sonic or something like that. And you're like, now we're like, hey, you want to go get a slushie? No, we have three kids sleeping upstairs. Oh. That's right. Can't do that. I'm bored. Let's go bowling. No, because bowling is going to cost us like 100 bucks because we have three kids. So we're not going bowling today. We'll do that on a special occasion. So anyway, when kids come, everything changes. Quite literally, your life is no longer your own. You can't just think about you. You have to think about other people. It's kind of annoying sometimes. Not, no, it's wonderful. It really is. But anyway... Even when you envision life with kids, it's so vastly different from the reality of experience. And so, as I mentioned earlier, you know, in this season, you know, for my own children, it has been a season of uncertainty and insecurity, and they're kind of like, oh, why can't we just live our normal life? And in those times, I've really had to focus for myself and even help them focus on the fact that we have hope in Christ. And we have that hope of the promise of his return. We have the hope of the promise of eternity with him. Now, I remember growing up in church, my parents have pastored all of my life. So I have been in church a lot and have heard a lot of preaching and a lot of teaching. And I remember when my dad would preach about the second coming of Jesus or about our home in heaven, and all of the adults would be like, oh, yes. That's amazing. You can't wait. And I remember as a girl feeling like I would actually not like Jesus to come back right now because I want to live life. I mean, I want to grow up. I want to drive a car. I want to meet a man and fall in love and have a fabulous wedding and travel the world. I mean, life is life. It's supposed to be like awesome and enjoyable. Why do y'all want to leave? What's wrong with y'all? You know, and obviously for a young girl, all of that is normal. And we tend to really focus on how this life is supposed to be so good and awesome. And then all of a sudden, when something like a pandemic happens, we're like, ooh, life ain't that great. And in those moments, it is us as believers that have to realize, yeah, life isn't all that great right now, but I have hope. And I'm still full of joy because I know that I have more than enough life coming. I have a life that's coming that's full of pleasures at the right hand of God, that's full of just an eternity found in the joy and in the presence of God. So certainly, as now that I have children, I can kind of say, honestly, hmm, maybe I agree with those, those adults Maybe I would like Jesus to come back and rescue my children from the craziness of this life, from the pain and from the suffering and the disappointment that they are certainly going to have to experience because that's part of life. So maybe I do want Jesus to come back and rescue us from all of this craziness. But the truth is that even here on this earth, as I begin to establish God's kingdom in my home, as I begin to make place for his rule and his reign and his will to be enforced in my home, 
my children can actually begin to experience some of heaven on earth. They can actually begin to abide in the peace and in the hope found in the kingdom of God within my own home. They don't have to be fretful or fearful of the future. They can actually begin to look ahead to the future and say, I have a home awaiting me there. This life is passing away. This um, you know, this season that we're living me living right now is obviously showing me that life is passing away, but it's not going to be the end. Establishing God's kingdom means I begin to nurture in my children and understanding that there is life beyond today, life beyond this moment, life beyond this present experience, life beyond this crazy chaotic time, life beyond quarantine, and that life is a life to look forward to, and it's a life that begins to fill me with hope for tomorrow. Now, when you ask parents, what would be your measure of success for your children, if you were to see your adult children say, hmm, I have done a good job because I have raised good law-abiding citizens who contribute to their communities, therefore I'm a great parent. Have any of you ever heard that before? You want to raise good law-abiding citizens. And listen, that is not a bad goal because I certainly don't want to raise a bad adult who breaks the law and takes away from their community. But the fact is that goal for my children, it's limited. It's too limited. The biblical goal of parenting has a greater scope, a greater purpose, a greater influence. Because if you were to apply biblical language to what the goal of parenting is, it would be that our children be found in Christ, that they would be pursuing his calling, that they would be extending his love. And when you see that goal, it, you can begin to see that it's greater because it's not bound to this world. It's not bound to this age. It's not bound to this life. It reaches beyond. It reaches beyond self, and it reaches beyond time, and it reaches beyond this experience. And the good God that I serve says that is the kind of goal I want for our children, a goal that reaches beyond this limited experience, this world that is passing away and follows us into eternity. Now, the biblical goal of parenting is greater because the scope is greater. And when I'm talking about scope, I'm talking about time. Part of establishing the kingdom of God in our homes, allowing his will to come into our homes, allowing him to reign in our homes, is that we would create in them an understanding or an eternal perspective, okay? That they wouldn't, that their focus wouldn't be limited to just today, but that they would begin to think in an eternal perspective, even for us that maybe don't, for those of you that don't have children, you need to begin to adopt an eternal perspective that your focus is not so limited, but that it goes beyond this current existence, okay? One of the ways that we can establish God's kingdom in our home and give them that eternal perspective is that we preach the gospel to our children, 
We teach them about the eternal God who has an eternal home waiting for those who receive the eternal eternal reward of salvation through Jesus Christ. We need to present to our children the gift of salvation, the opportunity to receive a hope that lasts through eternity, that doesn't fade because of a temporary existence, but actually lasts through eternity. And so you begin to share with them your own story of salvation, of how you came to understand that this life, it's not enough, that this life, it's fading away. And so you had a need of a Savior who could give you a hope to carry you into eternity. You had a need of a Lord who could rule over your life and carry you into the promise of eternity. And when they begin to hear that, they begin to grow hungry for that. They begin to realize, yes, I don't want to just be conformed to a world that is passing and fading away. That becomes very hopeless. Instead, I want to receive the gift of salvation that gives me hope to carry me into eternity. And this becomes really important, too, because we have to, in order to allow his will and his reign to come into our homes, we have to be able to welcome the king to be the king of our homes. If we're going to establish his kingdom, we have to, with open arms, say, God, you be the king here. And so we paint a picture to our children that God is in control of our families. God is in control of our homes. It's not mom and dad who are ruling and reigning. And for our children, sometimes it can feel that way. It can feel like mom and dad are trying to act the king and the queen, and we're just supposed to submit to them. But truly, our children need to understand God is the king of our homes. In fact, when I accepted Christ, I accepted his lordship for myself. And just as my children find themselves in a position of submission and obedience to me, they, I find that I am in that same position because I am submitted to obeying the king of my life. And so we're on equal footing there. And when God is the king of our homes, then his word on a matter is what matters. And when I begin to put in place standards and parameters and boundaries and rules, I have to do those according to the principles of God's word so that they can have an understanding again that God is in control of our home. He is the king. And it is his will and his pleasure that we are living for. Now, the Bible commands us in, or commands our children in Ephesians 6.1. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. It is absolutely my favorite verse of scripture as a mother. I tell my kids all the time, you're not being honoring to your mother. Please obey now. Okay? And they don't always do it. But anyway, I still throw it out there. 
okay? But if you skip down to verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And listen, sometimes our kids struggle with our rules and standards because they are our rules and standards. And they have to understand that if God is the king of your home, the rules and standards have to be according to the principles of his word. Because if not, then those rules and standards become limited to only this life. And this life is passing away. But if you are setting rules and standards that are unlimited, but that carry you into eternity, then there's purpose behind why you're asking them to submit to those things. There's purpose beyond this life there. And it's a whole lot easier for them to submit to something with purpose than to submit to something that's fading away. How many of you have ever met a four-year-old, or like my kids, I felt like it was more like three, but anyway, who all of a sudden it dawns on them, there's purpose in life. And they begin to ask the super annoying question of why. They want to know why about everything. Why, why, why? And you know, it's annoying, but it's also super interesting because it shows so very clearly that God has made us with a need to pursue purpose, a need to pursue something beyond that which is limited. There's supposed to be something greater, something beyond, something that extends further than just the present moment. And so when we as parents are the king of our homes, If we are giving our kids limited purpose in what they are submitting to, they will resist it. And in fact, the Bible says we will exasperate our kids. When kids are little, we're like perfect. We are that perfect queen and king and queen who never failed. But then all of a sudden they grow up and all of a sudden they're like, mom, you're supposed, you're like telling me to not shout at my sister, but you're like shouting at me right now. Why are you doing that? Why are you telling me to do something that you don't do? And then you as a parent oh, have to swallow that big humility pill where you're like, oh, okay, yes, you're right. I am limited. And it's kind of hard for our children to submit to demands of obedience that are only that are get, that are being given by a limited and fractured person but when there are rules and standards that are set according to God's principles and rules and standards that I can come to my kids and say hey I'm putting this in pl- I'm putting this in place because I am submitting to God I am obeying God And his desire for you is that you would honor him as you obey me. Then there's some purpose there because they're looking to God who will give them eternal reward for their obedience to me. And there's purpose there. It's no longer limited to just this current existence. It goes beyond. And that becomes a whole lot easier to submit to. So now the goal of biblical parenting is greater than the worldly goal because it's greater in scope, 
but it's also greater in purpose. When I talk about purpose, I'm referring to instilling in, our, in the hearts of our children the fact that they have purpose in and of themselves. So there's purpose in them obeying the standards of the home because they can obey and honor God by obeying mom and dad, and there's purpose there. But then there's purpose within themselves, that God has created them for a reason, for a purpose, for something for them to fulfill, a life for them to live that will give them a sense of meaning. God has something for them to fulfill here in the temporary that allows them to receive something of greater value in eternity. And as parents, when we instill this truth in our children, we do so by telling them and modeling to them temporary rewards that teach them the value of eternal rewards. In Matthew 19, there's a really interesting story or occurrence where this rich young man comes to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, I'd love to be your follower. And Jesus is like, great, just sell everything and be content with the treasure of heaven. And the young man is like, no, thank you. And we're kind of like, that's not very nice of you to say to Jesus that he's not worthy of everything that you are because we never say that to Jesus, do we? Never. But anyway, in this story, it's so interesting that later on, Peter is like, wait a minute, like that guy walked away from Jesus, but I kind of have a question for Jesus because I would like to know I actually have left everything. Like, that guy didn't want to do it, but I did it. I have left everything to follow you, Jesus. What then is there going to be for me? And we want to think that Jesus would be, like, really offended by this question or would even seek to reprimand Peter and say, am I not worthy, Peter, you terrible person? But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus actually is like, that's a good question. Because after all, God is a rewarder. And we see all throughout the scripture how God reveals himself to be one who is faithful to bless those who are faithful to him. So Peter understands, if I've given up everything to follow Jesus, God is surely going to honor my sacrifice. And for us that live in this modern day, we want to say, you know what? Jesus has given us salvation, and that is more than enough. But God says it's not enough. In fact, I want to keep lavishing my love on you, and the way that I do that is by promising you eternal rewards for your faithfulness to me. And so our children need to really understand the kind of king that they are serving 
He is a king that gives them purpose. He's a king that gives them meaning. He's the king that says, if you will be faithful to me, I will be faithful to you. If you will surrender your life to me, I promise I'm going to make it worth it to you. I will reward your faithfulness with eternal rewards, rewards that don't fade away, that don't spoil, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. And that is going to mean that as they grow up, they need to understand that surrender to Jesus looks like sometimes being isolated from that which is popular. And they are going to find that sometimes being faithful to Jesus looks like being exiled from the approval of the world. Sometimes being faithful to Jesus looks like having to self-quarantine from the ways of the world. But that is a temporary experience, not an eternal reality. And in our homes, we are to have a training ground and a model of eternity for them. And so we need to practically seek out ways to show this aspect of the character of God and of the kingdom of God, that just as he is a rewarder, we can be rewarders to our children We can praise them and affirm them and set healthy expectations upon them. And when those things are met, we need to reward them and acknowledge what they have done that is pleasing not only to us, but pleasing to the king. And if children are going to feel approved by God, their king, they need to feel approved by mom and dad who are extending the kingdom of God to them in their home. So rewards, therefore, should be given. They should be tangible, but they should certainly be earned. This is how God rules his kingdom. God promises to reward us with tangible rewards in eternity. And so in our homes, we can seek to do the same because this is how God rules his kingdom. Now, on the other side of this is the understanding, again, we are nurturing that eternal perspective in the minds and hearts of our children. So they also need to have the understanding that rewards, they can be lost. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says, if what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. There again, that good father who loves to lavish his love upon us promises us rewards for faithfulness. But it also says, if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. And so as we are setting in the hearts and minds of our children an eternal perspective, they need to understand that in our home, we're living to please a God who holds all authority, who holds the future in his hands, and we are accountable to him. And just as he says he will take rewards from us, sometimes as mom and dad, we have to demonstrate that and say, you're going to lose some rewards if you choose to disobey me. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. In fact, it's perfectly right for you as a parent to not indulge your children, but to model the kingdom of God that says there are consequences when you choose to dishonor God. 
And if you choose to dishonor God in the temporary, in our home, then you're also choosing to understand that in the eternal, you will choose to lose rewards. So the goal of biblical parenting is greater than the worldly goal because it is greater in scope, it is greater in purpose, but it's also greater in influence. Regarding influence, we want to instill in the hearts and minds of our children that their life carries weight in the lives of other people. See, this is so drastically different from an earthly experience. A person outside of Christ who's not a believer thinks about themselves. They are their own king. And in their lives, nothing matters but me. If I want to do it, I'll do it. If I want to say it, I'll say it. If I want to do this, I will do it. It's all about the kingdom of me. But as believers, God says the kingdom is his, and it's all about his will and his way. And when he has created a person, he has created them to carry some influence in the lives of others, that they are to live with an understanding that what they do on this earth as it relates to other people it carries weight into eternity. So we are to nurture within them a sense of influence and a willingness to use influence to further the kingdom of God. So as they begin to grow and begin to develop talents and dreams and desires for the future, we are to say, yes, you can do that. Just remember God has influence over your decisions, but he also wants to use you to influence others. So if you want to be a singer, be a singer that influences people for Jesus. If you want to be an attorney, be an attorney that influences people for Jesus, though that sounds like an oxymoron, but in Christ, it can be a reality, okay? It's good for our children to understand that in their life, God wants to use and leverage their influence for the glory of God. Again, setting within them the eternal perspective that their life is not their own and it is not limited to this current reality. There is life beyond. Now, a key to this is modeling it for our children. As parents, we have the responsibility to be modeling what it looks like for God to use our lives to leverage influence for the glory of God. So parents, your children need to hear your stories of when you go to work and pray with a coworker, when you share the gospel with somebody, when you encourage somebody, you need to say, man, Today, I had a hard day at work, but I also had an opportunity to pray with a coworker, meaning God used my life today, and God wants to use your life. Don't forget, when you grow up, God wants to use your life. Don't waste your influence. And isn't that what we would all like for our kids, that they would not waste their influence, 
that they would not waste the power that God has placed within them. Amen? That they would grow to understand, man, my life has so much meaning that it has meaning for today, but it has meaning for eternity. So model that kind of life to your children. Now, certainly our efforts to establish the kingdom of God to welcome the king into our homes, to say, yes, God, you be the Lord, not me. You have your way, not my own. I submit my children to you, my marriage to you, my life to you. Certainly all of our efforts to establish his kingdom in our home are our efforts. They're our efforts. And so there has to be a place where you begin to say, Holy Spirit, you've got to empower my efforts because I can preach to my kids all day long, but if there's not power of the Holy Spirit breathing life into my words and breathing life into the way I live and model truth to them, it won't sink into their hearts. And our desire is, God, as I entrust my life to you, as I make my home your dwelling place, my home a model of eternity, a model of the kingdom of God here on the earth, I pray that you would meet my kids, that your presence would be felt in our home, that they would reach out for themselves to know you and to trust you, that they would desire to encounter you, because they need a living hope. Listen, in the day that we're living in, I don't think we can have more evidence given to us regarding this truth that men and women on the earth need hope. They need hope today. They need to understand that their self-made kingdom is crumbling before them. And people are currently living an existence where they are are desperately grasping for hope. People are being engulfed by fear and anxiety, and they're drowning in depression and hopelessness caused by all of the uncertainty and insecurity of their condition. I mean, when I sit and think about, wow, right now, I feel a sense of insecurity, but how much more... Could I feel that if I didn't have a Savior who was ever present? If I didn't have a Savior who was full of joy and peace and purpose and life, how desperately hopeless must it feel to live in these conditions without a Savior? And if there's anything good that can come out of this season is that our homes would begin to be ordered by the will and the reign of God, so that we can begin to manifest and display the hope found in the reign and will of God. The people would begin to cry out and say, this life is not enough. There's not enough meaning. There's not enough purpose. And so we are in need of homes that are established with the kingdom of God that are displaying the life of God, the power of God, the strength of God. And as we do that, we begin to dispel in our own lives, in the lives of our children, and hopefully in the lives of others, we can begin to dispel the fear of the future. 
And we can begin to replace that fear with hope and strength from a Savior who holds tomorrow. Our children and hopefully those that we are influencing can begin to understand that fear can actually be lost in the hope found in Jesus Christ. That worry and anxiety can actually be lost in the hope found in the message of the gospel. They can begin to know that hope can actually swallow up all disappointment that this life will bring. Because no matter what disappointments we will face, God promises, wait a minute, there's a new existence that's coming toward you. It's called eternity. And in that eternity, hope swallows up all disappointment. Hope swallows up all fear. Hope swallows up the sense of not enough because in his presence, life will be more than enough. People can know that it is actually possible to be so hopeful in this life that life can actually be peaceful. And isn't that what we're all seeking in these days? That we would come to know the hope of Christ and be so full of that hope that we can actually experience peace in the midst of chaos. I think of the story of Jesus sleeping on a boat in the middle of a storm. How do you get to sleep on a boat in the middle of a storm? You get to do that when you're so full of hope that it drowns away the worries and the anxieties. You're so full of hope because you serve a God who's not limited to right here and right now. He is beyond this experience and he's promising you, your life, it's not over, it's not ending. The trials of today are not following you into forever. The difficulties you're facing today, they're not final and they're not following you into forever. But peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, is what is our reason for being able to sit back and rest and know He is in control. He is in charge in my home. And yes, the world is shifting and things are changing, but I'm not in despair. Amen. I have a reason to hope. If you'll pray with me, Father God, we worship you today. We thank you that you are our living hope, that we can look to you even in the midst of chaos, and we can find security, and we can find rest. God, I pray right now by the power of your spirit that a spirit of rest would come upon us. Lord, that you would quiet the insecurities, that you would quiet the anxiety and the worry and the fear. Lord, that we may be like you, sleeping in a boat in the middle of a storm because we're so secure in your hope, in your protection, in your care over us. God, wrap us up today. May we be lost in hope. In Jesus' name, we worship you. We thank you for your blessing over our lives, that we are moving ahead, that we're not stuck, 
that we're not moving back. We are marching forward in the blessing and the favor of God. You're not done with our lives. We're not wasting our influence. You're giving us wisdom and insight into how we can continue to expand the kingdom of God on the earth. You are drawing men to yourself and you're using our words and our voice to speak louder than the insecurities, to speak louder than the chaos, to speak louder than the futility of man's thinking. In Jesus' name, use our lives, God. Thank you that we're not just stuck in today, but we have eternity awaiting us. And while eternity is waiting for us, we are continuing to stay faithful and stay hopeful. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.